Innovation in food systems isn't just about new technology or ingredients. It's about understanding the social aspects of how we eat. Join us as we explore the role of people in driving food innovation and how understanding their lives can unlock new possibilities in the way we nourish ourselves. Welcome to the Food Forward podcast, where we explore the exciting world of food system innovation in Sydney, Australia. From tackling challenges like access to urban land, soil quality, to emerging small business and community groups promoting social justice through fair and equitable access to healthy food, we'll hear from the people and organisations driving change in the urban food landscape. I'm Dr. Serena Killam, and today we'll be discussing the role of social innovation in creating a thriving and sustainable urban food system. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands, skies and waterways on which this podcast is recorded, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and thank them for their millennia of care for country. Will Sydney be food secure in the future? It's a question that many are asking as the city continues to grow and face challenges in our food system. But there are also many people and organisations working to address these issues and create a more sustainable, equitable food system. These innovators are often working outside of traditional approaches and relying on social factors like networks and community engagement to drive change in how they grow, source, buy, share, prepare and dispose of food. Hello, I'm Mariah. I'm the Executive Officer of UTS Students Association. We run a service at the moment, Bluebird Brekkie and Night Owl Noodles, which we feed students four times a week, about two to 3,000 students meals a week. Most of the things are local, organic, nutritious. So we had a, it's been going for about 11 years, the program, and at the beginning, it was all done on goodwill. So volunteers, all the food was donated. But the roadblock to that was that there's only so much people can give for free. We received more funding from the university and we paid students, we paid the suppliers, and we made it much bigger. We then went on to refine those services. Some roadblocks were governance, policy of the university, obviously funding and the time of people. We now have a new service now, which we want to do a food pantry, but we want to make it a bit different than everyone else. We want to make it really nutritious and beautiful food that students can come get for free. In a recent project supported by the City of Sydney, researchers at Charles Sturt University have been studying the role of social innovation in the food system. By focusing on storytelling and case studies, they've been able to uncover the social factors that enable innovation and identify areas where the food system could be strengthened to support greater experimentation and innovation. These factors include things like social networks, education and engagement, progressive food policies and funding opportunities. Let's hear from Chris, a chef and small food business entrepreneur. We always say, oh, we have a sustainable 
food business and people didn't really get it. Like one thing that we were talking about, as soon as we said sustainable, people kind of stepped back. <laughs> sustainable business and food and people straight away would think that we were vegans, for example. And my desire was to to leave the industry, that crazy restaurant life, and we were able to open our own business, be able to have people around my table and looking at them and looking at their eyes and say where their food is coming from and where it's going. Imagine the year is 2025 and inflation and the rising cost of living has rapidly changed consumption patterns of households in our regions, in our cities and globally. Varroa mite has caused millions of dollars of loss. Foot and mouth disease and lumpy skin disease outbreaks in Indonesia have moved southward, having already caused havoc in the northern cattle industry. Russia's ongoing invasion of Ukraine has led to a number of countries to impose export bans and quotas on grain, reducing global supply and putting upward pressure on prices. This in turn has caused a second wave of civil disruptions akin to the protests over the price of bread that sparked the 2011 Arab Spring movement that toppled dictators in Tunisia, Egypt, Yemen and Libya. The global geopolitical landscape remains volatile, with the 2024 United States presidential election results and drastic shifts in global policy causing widespread uncertainty. Australian exporters that benefited financially from initial high food prices in 2022 are now dealing with an uncertain market and uncertain supply due to flooding, exponential costs for agricultural inputs and unprecedented global port congestion and shipping delays. New climate-related regulatory measures in the USA and the European Union Emissions Trading Scheme and Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanism have meant that global companies now demand additional emissions data from Australian agri-food producers that are part of their supply chains. This is an imagined future, but based on real events of 2022. Complex systems mean we can't predict the future, but we can build resilient and thriving food systems that are prepared for shocks and stresses. And in Australia, Most of our population lives in urban and metropolitan areas. Urban food innovators need to be a key part of how we imagine and plan for sustainable food systems. Next up, Danielle, who started her own organic food buyers cooperative, tells their food innovation story. Okay, Danielle Northey. I'm from the Organic Buyers Group hub. So I was living in Laos in Southeast Asia buying my fruit and vegetables from the local markets. Often it's from the farmers themselves who are selling the vegetables to me without any packaging. They're fresh from the field. Most people didn't have refrigerators, so everything's coming fresh every day. You go to the markets, you'd have a chat to the local people. That was kind of your, you know, helping to build social capital. The sun's shining, everything's lovely in Laos. Then I arrived back to Sydney and suddenly you've got buildings everywhere. You're buying your produce from woolies and it's all packaged. It's not necessarily organic. Then the local council, Randwick Council, did ran a, a eco-living festival and somebody put on a workshop about how to set up a local organic buyers group. So this was my angel, the, the Randwick Council, putting on the festival and this workshop. 
So other residents who attended that workshop and I got together in my lounge room, we worked out how to set up a buyer's group. So the idea is you buy direct from the organic wholesaler who delivers to a community venue. And then you divvy that produce amongst how many people have bought that week. And everybody does a little bit. There's no markup on the price of the fruit and vegetables. It's just, it's, it's a buyer's group. So you, you need your membership fees so that you can raise enough money to buy your public liability insurance and to pay your fees to be recognised as a legal entity and that kind of thing. So I guess one big advantage of these groups is that so you're getting affordable organic fruit and vegetables, but you're also meeting people in your local community and forming bonds and then you're bumping to them in the streets and then, yeah. And also good for people's health because you've always got fresh fruit and vegetables in the fridge. The main advantage is that it's so much cheaper. So our boxes are less than going and buying your fresh produce from Woolies. So it's, it's amazing and it's fresh, like really, really fresh. If you have somebody deliver your box, then you're going to be paying a lot more because you've got to pay somebody to deliver it. And you're also not meeting people in the community. So, but that's for some people. Some people don't have the time to come and help. You know, each time you order, you come to the central uh, venue and you divvy. It usually takes about 20 minutes or so. But then if you were to go to the supermarket, you'd be spending 20 minutes choosing what you want and lining up in the checkout. Social innovation in food isn't just happening at the grassroots level. There's a huge role here for local and state governments to play in supporting and enabling change in the food system. We tend to think of local governments as just being about rates and roads, and our state governments focus on big infrastructure and public services like health and education. But just like we plan for housing and transport and land use zoning, there's a pretty clear argument that we should be treating food as an infrastructure. So what do I mean by that? I mean that we need to plan for how people produce, grow, access, share, distribute and dispose of food. At the moment, we just assume that food and access to food will take care of itself. But, and I think that COVID really highlighted this when we saw the breakdowns in supply chains, and we had people isolating or with limited movement, we can't assume that food will take care of itself. There's two parts to this. One is that we've got to treat food as critical infrastructure and plan and prepare for it to be resilient to shocks and stresses. And the other is that we've got to recognise that food is social and food innovation can only occur where there are sufficient social supports in place to allow food innovators to thrive. This can mean providing funding and other resources to support innovative projects, or developing policies and regulations that encourage experimentation and foster civic trust. By creating the conditions for social innovation to thrive, we can unlock the potential for transformative change in the way we grow, distribute and consume food in Sydney. Next up, we'll be hearing from Sophia Lynn, who works at the University of New South Wales as a lecturer in public health. Those big systematic issues like universal income, if we can get that in, a lot of these issues would be 
result around food security, for instance, when we're really talking about innovation, in my mind anyway, it's about innovating in a way that benefits everyone, not those who are educated enough and literate enough and have the resources to, to do what they want to do. Food innovators are individuals or organisations that drive change and innovation in a particular field. In the context of urban food systems, innovators are those who are working to revolutionise the way that food is grown, distributed and consumed in urban environments. Innovators are often driven by a desire to address issues like food insecurity, environmental sustainability and social justice. Through their innovative approaches to growing, distributing and consuming food, they are helping to shape the future of urban food systems. As we continue to explore the world of food system innovation on this podcast, we'll be highlighting the stories of the people and organisations driving change in Sydney. From farmers and chefs to policymakers and community organisers, these innovators are working to create a more sustainable, equitable and delicious food future for all. Tune in next time to learn more about the exciting work happening right here in the Sydney food system. This podcast was supported by researchers from Charles Sturt University with a small grant from the City of Sydney. Remember to subscribe and if you would like to learn more about our research into social innovation in food systems or use some of our free resources in your own local government area to explore food innovation stories, please visit our website available in the show notes.